Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On March the 8th, voters will be asked to change the Constitution, to remove the references in the Constitution to the role of women in the home, and to expand the concept of the family. These paragraphs in Bunrocks and Heron have long been seen as outdated. But not everyone is happy about what exactly is being taken out or what it's been replaced with. And with weeks to go until votes are cast, it's unclear how much support there is among voters for the changes. When you have people saying that we're inserting something into the Constitution that is not quite clear, that will probably be one of the biggest arguments, I would say, on the no side. Jennifer Bray is Irish Times political correspondent. Today, she's going to explain exactly what we're being asked to vote on and what the issues are. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the upcoming referendums explained. Jennifer, let's get straight into it and talk about March 8th. There is, in fact, going to be two referendums on the same day, and it's complicated. I'm hoping that you will explain... What will voters be asked to decide in each one? First, there's a referendum on care, but perhaps better known as a referendum on women in the home. And I'm putting quote marks around women in the home. What does the Constitution already say about that? Yes. So like you said, in a nutshell, the government want to implement two key changes to the Constitution. And obviously, anytime they want to change the Constitution, we need a referendum. Um, and the best way I think of thinking about this is that the two key changes they want to make, the first one is on the role of the definition of family, and the second one is on the role of care. So you mentioned there the role of care. A lot of people will tie this in in their in their mind, I suppose, with the provision around a woman's place uh, being in the home. So what people will essentially be asked when it comes to this referendum on care the government is proposing to delete in its entirety Article 41.2. And that's the article that says that the state recognises that by her life within the home, woman gives to the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. Um, and there's been a lot of controversy um, for the last 30 years and even, even before that about that reference to a woman's life within the home. And also it goes on to, to reference a mother's duties in the home. So the government wants to completely delete that. The question that they had then was, do we just delete this from the constitution and put nothing in its place? Or should we put in some kind of recognition in its place about the role of care? So they've decided they do want to insert an entirely new article. That will be Article 42B, it will be called. And that would say that the state 
recognises that the provision of care by members of a family to one another, by the reason of bonds that exist among them, gives to society a support without which the common good cannot be achieved and that the state shall strive to support this provision of care within the home. Okay, now the second question voters will be asked is if they want to approve changes to the concept of the family in the Constitution. What does the Constitution say about the family as it stands? So this is the the second proposal, like you say. So what this essentially does, it, it extends the definition of family beyond that which is already in the Constitution. So at present, and this is under Article 41.1, that says that the state recognises the family as the natural, primary and fundamental unit group of society. What they want to change it to is the state recognises the family, and this is the change here, whether founded on marriage or on other durable relationships as the natural, primary and fundamental unit group of society. There's another reference in the Constitution to a family being founded on marriage and that would be deleted. So this is Article 41, 3.1, and this says on which the family is founded and th- that those words will be deleted. And the reason why the government wants to extend this definition of family and to say that families uh, are founded on more than just marriage is because they want to acknowledge that there are other relationships that yeah, the family is founded upon, such as a family headed by a lone parent, a grandparent or a guardian. And I think the important thing to remember about this, which I think from the debate so far has been lost a little bit, is that there is still explicit provision for that protection of, of marriage within the constitution, even notwithstanding these changes. But this would put, I suppose, other long-term relationships on an equal footing with marriage. Well, now, these aspects of our constitution have been controversial for a long time, but not loudly controversial, just, I suppose, quietly controversial. But it's only now, after a Citizens' Assembly on Gender Equality recommended changes, that something is being done. Are these proposals in line with what the Citizens' Assembly recommended? Yeah, and you're right. There have been so many different reports down through the years. I mean, I tracked reports going all the way back to the early 90s. The Second Commission on the Status of Women examined uh, all of these issues, particularly the reference to a woman's place in the home and a mother's duties in the home. And there's been a string of reports since then. We've had different assemblies, we've had conventions, we've had committees, and this spans 30 years. It actually spans 11 governments. I counted them all. And what I suppose one of the most important processes in that was, you mentioned there, the Citizens' Assembly on Gender Equality, and they did recommend changes. So what the government proposed does actually not match exactly with what the Citizens' Assembly recommended, because that committee, that group of people, they wanted to see the constitution changed with an explicit reference to gender equality and non-discrimination. And it's my understanding that the government were given legal advice that if they did put this kind of wording into the constitution, that it would weaken the existing commitment to equality within within the constitution. Um, I know Leo Varag could try to explain this and he said, you know, all citizens are equal before the law regardless of gender, race, sexual orientation, social class or anything else. And he said that by elevating any one particular category could unwittingly downgrade others. So it doesn't exactly match that sort of gender, neutral gender equality provisions that the the Assembly wanted. Um, But it comes quite close. Now, we've had several citizens' assemblies. Is it usual that their recommendation would be tweaked at the end? Yeah, I think it is. 
I suppose, really, if we're to get down to the crux of the issue as well, another another, I suppose, argument that's been made about this is around care and the fact that what the government propose is to recognise the provision of care within the home and amongst people in a family, giving that care to each other and those kind of family bonds, basically. And what a lot of people wanted down through the years in the different reports that we've mentioned, the different conventions and assemblies and everything, there was always a desire and explicit calls that care beyond the home will be recognized. So care in the community. So the role of carers in a wider uh, in a wider sense would be recognized. And the government hasn't gone that far. And the reason why they haven't gone that far is because they believe that if they make a specific provision in the constitution towards what could be a group of private sector workers or public sector workers, that that, again, p- puts a hierarchy in place that isn't already there and that could create further problems. But what they're essentially saying is, it's up to the government to decide government policy and it's up to the government to decide where they allocate their resources. So it does often happen that groups come out and they want much stronger wording, but for their own reasons, the government decides to go with what they've proposed. Now, you talk about what various groups want. So what has the reaction been from the sort of groups who have called for change? For example, the National Women's Council of Ireland. Yeah, it was interesting because actually in the beginning there was quite quite a lukewarm, I think lukewarm is a fair word to use, reception from kind of uh, the NGOs, particularly like I said on those proposals around carers and, and having a wider recognition of the role of carers. Um, and I know there was a considerable concern within the coalition leading up to the end of last year that they wouldn't get the support of the main groups. But I, I think they've... Uh, they they had a sigh of relief over the last couple of weeks when a lot of the main groups have either come out for a yes vote or are expected to come out for a yes vote. So the National Women's Council will campaign for a yes, yes vote. So obviously that's yes to extending the definition of family beyond uh, marriage and yes to removing a woman's place, removing the reference to a woman's place being in the home and replacing it with the recognition of care in the home. Family Carers Ireland also are calling for a yes, yes vote. Their quotes were really interesting on it, actually. They said that it would be a powerful step towards real change in how we recognise and value those who care for our most vulnerable. And then the One Family Group, that's Ireland's main national organisation for one-parent families and people sharing parenting or, or people who are separated, they have also called for a yes-yes vote in both, both referendums. And then uh, we will see, I think, a lot of the main opposition parties, once the campaign kind of gets fully into, into gear, uh, come out and some some grudgingly, but mostly calling for a yes vote. Can you, Jennifer, and this is a hard one, I think maybe, sum up the arguments for and against a yes vote in these referendums? So I think the arguments for, in many ways, this is, I suppose, a good thing for the government in that the arguments for a yes vote are a little bit easier to articulate. So, I mean, what the government have argued and, and what people who are campaigning for a yes vote have argued is that this reference to a woman's place uh, in the home and a mother's duties in the home, that that is archaic and that this is a constitution that was written in the 1930s when there was a much closer tie between the church and between the state. And we know that there was kind of back and forth over over the drafting of this between the church and the state. Justine McCarthy did a really good piece on that last week. And so that's a really easy argument to make for them. I think to say this is an archaic thing that should not be in the constitution and that we've moved quite far as a society since then. And I suppose what Family Carers Ireland then are saying about the care side of it is that it is an explicit recognition of care, albeit that it doesn't extend to the wider community. So on the no side, 
you I'd say in terms of the the care debate, you could definitely have people who would say that actually it doesn't go far enough. Uh, it should have recognised carers beyond the home. It should have strove to support that provision and it didn't go far enough and that the people should reject it on that basis. What we're also seeing is a lot of, I'd say, confusion um, being uh, around the debate about the definition of family. So what we heard uh, in the doll once, once this debate got started was about how some definitions of what a durable relationship is. We mentioned there earlier on about the insertion of this idea of family being founded on other durable relationships. So what exactly is a durable relationship? And a doll debate on this kind of descended into talk about throuples and uh, polygamy. And I think the government didn't really do a great job of being very clear about what exactly is and isn't a durable relationship. So I think when you have people saying that what we're inserting something into the constitution that is not quite clear, that would probably be one of the biggest arguments, I would say, on the no side. And who is going to lead the campaigns? Uh, first for a yes vote and then for a no vote. So it's the Electoral Commission, their charge. They lead the work nationally on explaining to people what the issues are in these two referendums. And, they, and they're neutral. They just yeah. give the facts neutral. OK, so who's who's going to pitch? Who's going to campaign for a yes and who's going to campaign for a no? So, yeah, so once the Electoral Commission have kind of put out the information campaign, once they're ready to go with that and, and once the campaign is in full swing, then you'll obviously have the government campaigning for a yes vote. It's a tricky one for them because they want to be out front and they want to have articulate people explaining uh, in a very clear way exactly why they want to put these changes into the Constitution. But equally, they don't want to be the main actor in this because people in any referendum, depending on the subject, will turn to figures who they would trust. So even if you think about the abortion referendum, uh, there was a huge and heavy emphasis put on trusting doctors, and trusting the opinion of doctors when it came to uh, women's healthcare, effectively. So I think that they will rely heavily on the NGOs. I think the National Women's Council of Ireland will play a really big role. Family care, as I mentioned, one family. And then on the no side, we'll have, obviously, we, from the very early stage, we had... Uh, kind of some heavy hitters calling for a no vote, such as Michael McDool. And I think you'll have other organisations coming out and, and calling for a no vote. Um, so we're, we're looking, I'd say, at an NGO mainly led campaign with heavy government involvement, albeit never trying to be the main actor. Is there a chance that one referendum will pass and one won't? Absolutely. Yeah, there is that chance. I mean, people will be asked to vote twice. And they'll have to make up their mind and whether they feel that they understand clearly enough, not only the reason for the proposed change, but that the proposed change makes sense um, and that it's 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 worth changing the constitution. Um, and at the moment, a lot of the issues are becoming conflated with each other. So people at present, the government has not been able to properly explain. There are two referendums. One is on extending the definition of family. The other is on removing the reference to a woman's place in the home and replacing it with recognition of care in the home. It is that simple. However, as with anything, especially in politics, things will get complicated. Uh, so there's every chance that one could pass and one could fail. And what's the state's record like when it comes to passing constitutional referendums? In fairness, the, the record is pretty good. Um, you know, if we look back through some of the most recent referendums, so one of the more recent ones was in relation to Divorce. So this was around how long people uh, had to be living apart before applying for a divorce. 
and also the recognition of foreign divorces that was passed. Then there was a referendum previous to that on whether to delete uh, the phrase blasphemous, the blasphemy referendum that passed. The abortion referendum was before that, which we know that passed uh, by a, a landslide. Um, then there was the same-sex mar- marriage referendum, which passed. The abolition of the Shannon, that was rejected. It's kind of a controversial one. Um, and before that, there was the children's referendum. So this is 2012. This is a children's rights referendum. The proposal was to put in a new article into the Constitution and the, the aim was to strengthen those rights, children's rights. Um, so 3.1 million people were eligible to vote. But the campaign was very low key. It got bogged down in confusion. Um, it didn't really capture the public's attention at all. And in the end, turnout was only 33.5%, which was quite low. Um, although it, it did pass the size of the no vote, definitely surprised the government at the time. Um, so overall, overall, they have a good track record, uh, but there's always a danger for a banana skin. Now, the vote is taking place on March the 8th. That's International Women's Day. Now, I have to say that I found the choosing of that date sort of trite. It felt a slight pat on the head and sort of oddly dangerous in that it could be interpreted that this is a women's issue. And when, of course, look, it's not. The Constitution is for all citizens. And and of course, you know, there's the practical element for many women in the workforce who aren't in the home, who are in the workforce, who have children. It's a massive inconvenience. And, you know, it's been pointed out that for them to have to vote, the kids will, will have a day off school. They'll be at home. So it, that that could prevent a lot of women actually voting. It could. Yeah. And I'm not really sure that they thought that one through, if I'm being honest. So we know the polling days, they're, you know, held often during the, the working week. And what that means is school closures, because a lot of schools are used as polling stations, not all, but a lot of them. Um, And there are a lot of people who have argued in the last couple of days and weeks that firstly, this is an outdated practice to be using schools as polling stations, um, causes huge disruption to families who have to make, you know, babysitting arrangements or alternative arrangements uh, or have their children obviously miss school or even for the parents to have to take time off work. It's, It's a huge disruption. And I think it hasn't been lost, particularly on women, that on International Women's Day, they'll have to go and put in all this extra effort, not only uh, in terms of childcare and their own working lives and their own day-to-day lives, but also in terms of actually going to vote. Um, so I don't really know if they thought that one through fully. And I think it would be an interesting question about whether that in itself creates a backlash. But I think the reason why they wanted to have this on International Women's Day was symbolistic, was a symbolism thing. And if you look to previous referendums where the government got kind of a, a, a good bounce um, and they kind of got to have these sort of progressive, progressive sort of socially liberal sort of victories basically at the ballot box, I think they wanted something really exactly like that again. And what better day in their minds to do it then on International Women's Day, except now we know that just like this actual, these two referendums themselves, this too is, is, is a com- more complicated than they would have liked. Jennifer, thanks very much. Thank you. That's it for today. For comprehensive coverage of the referendums from the political team, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode is produced by Declan Conlon and John Casey. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.